Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And the church said, yeah. amen and amen. Well, before, we, before I jump into the message, I've been starting the, our little uh, series with a, a, a little tidbit of something that might get people talking. Did you, did you hear what I heard about the rabbi, the minister, and the priest? They were all playing poker one day when the police raided the game. Turning to the priest, the lead police officer said, Father Murphy, were you gambling? Turning his eyes to heaven, the priest whispered, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do. Turns to the police officer and he says, no, officer, I was not gambling. The officer then asked the minister, Pastor Johnson, were you gambling? Again, after an appeal to heaven, the minister replied, no, officer, I was not gambling. And so finally, he, he turns to the rabbi, and the officer asks again, Rabbi Goldstein, were you gambling? And kind of shrugging his shoulders, the rabbi replied, with whom could I have been gambling? That's all right. You'll get it later. <laughs> My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. <laughs> I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, Speaking of getting people talking about things, we are in a series that we have been calling Christmas Gossip, Christmas Gossip, where we've been asking the question, did you hear what I heard? Did you hear what I heard? Not, not about gambling ministers, but about actual Bible stories that got people talking. Uh, so, um, so, for, and so far, we've talked about the miracle and the mute priest with Zachariah and his his. Uh, a wife of, who was advanced in age and ended up getting pregnant. Last week, we talked about the two pregnant cousins. And if you weren't here, one of them was uh, 14 or 15 years old and unwed. Go back and listen to those messages if you haven't uh, heard those yet. Two messages worth listening to. Um, you can go to Facebook or YouTube, and if you're doing that, Hit like and subscribe and share these messages. The title of this morning's message is simply The Messengers, the Manger, and the Miracle Gift from God. The Messenger, the Manger, and the Miracle Gift from God. Now, I don't know what was your best gift you ever received. You think about that. Over the years, what was your best gift that you ever got? I started thinking about it, and I've gotten a lot of great gifts over the years. I'm, I'm in my 50s now, 55, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but one of the coolest ones that I remember going back, it was when I was a teenager, probably around 15, 16 years old. And, and uh, my mom and, and stepdad used to spoil us pretty bad. We, I was three, I'm one of three brothers, or two other brothers. And... Um, under the Christmas tree every year were piles of gifts, you know, to, to go through. So every, every Christmas morning, we did like many of you guys did. We couldn't sleep well, very well that night, and we were up really early. And this particular uh, Christmas morning, there was a, 
a brand new 10-speed bicycle, much like this one underneath the tree. And I was like so stoked. I remember being, being wow, somebody loves me, you know. Uh, they got me this 10-speed bike. I was so grateful to my mom, my stepdad, for buying it. I, 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 first thing I did was I, I got on that thing. I started riding it around the neighborhood. I went to my friend's house to go to check out what I got. I, I went to the neighbors. I went, you know, I went all over the place. I loved that bicycle. To only be disappointed one week later or a few days later, as I rode my bicycle up to the bowling alley, the local bowling alley, to play some video games. And I figured, you know, I was only going to be in there for a few minutes. Well, a few minutes turned into a couple few minutes. And I neglected to lock the bike. My parents didn't give me a bicycle without giving me a lock, and they gave me the lecture, make sure you lock it up. But I was only going to be in there for a few minutes. Got caught up in the game, and by the time I came out, guess what, what was missing? <laughs> My brand new 10-speed bicycle was gone. Someone had stolen that thing. I looked around the place. I looked, all, looked, you know, I looked up and down the street, and I, I mean, my, my brothers were with me. I said, oh, no, what are we going to do? I was there with my friends. Then I had to go home and break the news to my mom and dad. And I certainly did hear the I told you so in terms of not locking up my bicycle. Well, as it relates to gifts in general, I just want to declare to you, those who are listening here today and those who are online, that Christmas itself represents the best gift you'll ever receive. Amen. Come on, somebody. It cannot be stolen. No one can break in and take it from you. The father that has given it is not an Indian giver. Come on, somebody. It's an everlasting gift that will last forever, as we're going to see. Now, the world seems to be getting more and more confused as to the meaning of the season or the reason for the season. I saw on the news in, over the last two weeks that uh, what we've been calling the woke crowd in the world today, especially in the European Union, they want to uh, universally replace Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays because it's the more PC thing to say. And I just look at that as one more attempt to kind of remove Christ from Christmas. And if they aren't trying to exit out altogether, they're trying to distract from the real meaning of Christmas. But as far as I'm concerned, the meaning of Christmas or the reason for the season is built right into the name. Say it with me. Christmas. Christmas. If you break it down, it's of two words. It means Christ mass, the celebration of the Christ. <laughs> you know, if anyone is confused, long before there were any stories of elves and men in red suits, the original Christmas story is what got people talking all over the world. The one that's that about the angelic messengers to the manger to the miracle gift from God. And that's where we're going to talk about this morning. I want to just refresh our memory of the, of the original Christmas story. It's, it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And then we're going to see what we can learn from this story. It says, that night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep when suddenly an angel or messenger of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them 
and they were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you, help me out, somebody. I bring you good news of great joy for who? Just the Jews? For everyone. Good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, one translation says the Christ, the Christ in Christmas, the Christ is born, the Lord has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the, the armies of heaven praising God. One translation says multitude. I, I'll, get, I'll get back to that. But glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. This is what the mass host or the, or, or, or the multitude of angels were declaring. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. Or she pondered them in her heart. Verse 20. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. And because they had seen the child just as the angel had said. And so my question this morning is, what was it that got people talking and shouting and praising God and telling everyone? First of all, there was an angelic messenger that appeared. And he didn't appear by himself. The Bible says it was, he appeared with a host of, of other messengers, a host. Uh, uh, one, one translation says multitude. Have you ever tried to count a multitude of angels? It, a multitude means beyond count. It's, it's, there's a lot of them out there. This was not a small event that took place. And then there was the confirmation. After they said it, the, the, the confirmation of the manger and what was in the manger, the miracle gift from God to mankind. The Messiah or the Savior was born. Because regardless of what, you've, what you have under your tree this year or what you've ever had under your tree, this is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. And we'll give everyone an opportunity to do that by the end of the service. But before we do, I want to talk about four things that Christmas should be a time for. Four things that we should be reflecting on during this season. The first thing, and it's in your outline, is Christmas is a time for good news. Good news. Luke 2.10 told us that. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for everyone or for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. So again, what is the good news? It tells us what the good news is, that, that, that Christ has been born, and with his birth, he's offering us something. He's offering us peace with God and his favor for those who would say yes to his grace. Anyone not ashamed to say, I've said yes to the grace of God in, in your life? Come on, somebody. And that peace is a tangible thing. How many of you know you, you know it when, you don't, when you don't have peace? 
You know it when your peace has left the building. Come on. Whatever, whatever situation or circumstances come in, you know when that peace leaves. So, so peace can be a tangible thing. That, and there's a peace with God that, that, that he talks about. Jesus would, Jesus would literally go from the cradle to, to the cross one day to pay for the sins of the world because the scripture says all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glorious standard of God. And the wages for the sin in our lives is death. That's what we deserve. But the free gift, someone said gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the peace with God that he offers during this time of season that we need. That's the good news of the gospel that I don't care what's happening in the world today, God is offering us peace with himself. Now, there's also the peace, a, a, a peace that the scripture talks about, again, uh, of God, that, that says that no matter what's taking place in this world, we can, have, we can go to God and turn things over to him and, and not allow the, 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 the events, of the news of the day to, to rattle us and to take us off of what, uh, the peace that God offers us. Jesus says, the peace I give you, you know, is, is one that is everlasting. Now listen to me. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what does it say? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, I know this. God may not remove the storms in your life, all the storms in your life. He can. There's a time when, when Jesus, the scripture talks about when he was uh, on the boat with his disciples, and a storm came up, and <laughs> what was he doing? He was sleeping, and they woke him up and said, don't you care that we're going to die? And, and he, and he, and he t- gets up, and he rebukes the storm, and he says, peace be still, and guess what happened? The storm died down, and he told him, ye have little faith. And he told him, ye have little faith. Why? Because he told them beforehand they were going to go to the other side. And why, why did they lose faith? Because a storm came up. There are storms that God can speak to, and the storms will die down. But more often than him speaking to the storms to die down in your life, God can give you peace in the midst of the storms. Come on, somebody. That ability to sleep through the, whatever is going on in your life. Now, when does that happen? When is this available to us? Well, the angel told them, today in the town of Bethlehem. The Bible says, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Why? Because God wants to bless you today. And what does he want to bless you with? He wants you to bless you with his peace, the peace with God and the peace of God. Tangible blessings, tangible gifts that he wants to give those who will respond to his grace. Again, now, aren't you glad that in spite of all the bad news that we've been hearing about the economy and the pandemic and the gas prices and the senseless violence going on in different places in our country, that we can still have God's peace? Which brings me to the second thing that Christmas is a time for. It's a time for good news for all people, but it's also a time for introspection. Write that down. Introspection. Contrary to what 
the world is telling us to do, that we've got to be running here and there, and we've got to be getting this and getting that, pulling out ahead, trying to figure out what's the best gift to get for the next person, and we don't want to be, you know, our, our tree to have less under the tree than the other person. We've made it, or the world's made it all about the getting and the giving of, you know, stuff. But that's not the original purpose of Christmas. It's a time of introspection. It means in, inner reflection or self-examination or to ponder. That's what Mary did. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, one translation says, But Mary kept all these things in her mind, help me out somebody, pondering them in her heart. Pondering them in her heart. Thinking about them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it, as it had been said to them. And therein lies the key. It's what you allow to take place in your heart that makes the difference. It, this is how it works. God gave us his son, and you give God your heart. Come on, somebody. We've got to allow it to go from the 12 inches from our head knowledge uh, to our heart and, 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 and to allow history, don't just let it be a, 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 his, a historical lesson, but allow history to become, or, or his story to become part of our story, and you'll have something to praise God for as well as the shepherds. But it all starts right here in our heart. I've got to get to that place where I hear the story, I take it in, but I allow it to affect me right here in my heart. Believe and to receive. The third thing that Christmas is a time for, it's a time for faith. Write that down. A time for faith. In Luke chapter 2, verse 15, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, I want you to take note of what they said and what they didn't say. They said, let's go see this wonderful thing that has happened. They didn't say, let's go see if it's true, which shows that they believed what the angels had said, and that they believed that it was a message from God. True faith will always be followed by action. In James chapter 2, verse 18, this is what he says. He says, but someone will say one person has faith, another has actions. My answer is, show me how anyone can have faith without actions, and I will show you my faith by my actions, by the things that I do. It's not either or, it's and both. If you have true faith, it will be followed by actions. Think about it. If Jesus was born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but not born in your heart, you would still be eternally lost. It will just be a story you heard from 2,000 years ago, and it's a nice story, and there's a, there's a whole world of people who are putting the Jesus story as a nice story but he's not yet born again in their heart. And so it's not going to make any difference at all. It's not enough to simply hear about Jesus. You have to do something with the gift. You have to believe it, and you have to receive him. Amen? Amen. Christmas is a time of good news, 
regardless of what's going on in this world. And it's a time of introspection. I've got to take the time to ponder the things of the Lord and to get serious about it and to separate fact from fiction and separate the nonsense of what the world is saying. It might be nice stuff. Heard of parents getting upset about telling this person, telling that person that, you know, Santa Claus is this or Santa Claus is that and how dare they tell this person, tell my children that and all this other stuff. And I'm like, that person told your kids the truth. (laughs) In my house, I was Santa Claus. And that's what I told my kids. My kids asked the question, well, where are your reindeer? I said, it must be on the roof somewhere. Well, how do you get to other people's houses? I don't get to other people's houses. Their dads get to their houses. I wasn't, going to give, I wasn't going to give credit to somebody else for all the hard work that I was doing. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's what it's become in this world. And they put it all on the same level. That's why it's now happy holidays because they want to put Kwanzaa and they want to put these things and they want to put you know, everything on the same level. They're not on the same level. It's built into the name, Merry Christmas. It's about the Christ. I need, it's a time of good news, it's a time of introspection, it's a time of faith. Let me tell you the fourth thing that it's a time for. It's a time, and we keep saying this, for telling. Telling what? Luke chapter 2, verse 17. Then the shepherds told everyone. The shepherds told everyone. The shepherds told everyone. Help me out, somebody. Who did the shepherds tell? Does everyone include everyone? Everyone that came in contact with them, they told. The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They told everyone. And we live in a, in a, again, a PC culture that says there are certain things you don't talk about. Don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion, whatever you do. I'm telling you, that's not what the Bible says concerning Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, but how can they call on him uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody unless somebody does what? Tells them. Now someone might ask, Pastor Rick, why are you always talking about Jesus? The answer is so people can be saved. There's no other way that people are going to be saved unless you start talking and telling people about Jesus. In fact, if they didn't talk about Jesus then, we wouldn't be saved today. We wouldn't be saved today. So I don't say talk less. I say talk more. Amen? Amen? Talk more. 
Don't do what the world is telling you to do. Don't shut up about them. Keep telling them about it. Tell the story and retell the story because in the telling and the retelling, the scripture says one, one plants another waters, but God gives the increase. God is the one that causes things to grow. And we don't know when, when that time is going to come. There's nothing more beautiful when you see somebody coming to Jesus Christ and the excitement when the, when the blinders finally come off, when they start to realize that they have a Father in heaven who absolutely loves them, cares for them, gave his, gave his son for them, and gave his life for them. Amen? Amen? So talk more. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and especially tell your family. We, we keep... Now is the time where people are just, who, who's the, who are my Hallmark people? Hallmark uh, stories, those, 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 what do you call those? those? Lifetime, where the Christmas stories, you know what I'm talking about. With the fake snow and, and the love story and the, the, the triangle, and, you know, they're all the same story. You ever notice that? It's over and over again. You just... And, and the ladies are eating up. And some of you guys love it too. I know you do. <laughs> he raised his hand. My wife has a plan 24-7, it feels like. I'm like, oh, no, not again. I said, baby, I can tell you the end of the story. These two are going to fall in love. And there's going to be fake snow. <laughs> but we'll hear that story over again. We'll hear about... Rudolph, <laughs> I was <laughs> listening to the radio on the way here. He went on the Christmas station. Rudolph, the red nose had a very shiny nose. We'll hear about Santa. We'll hear about now the thing, the elf on the shelf. We'll hear about all those different stories. When the one that we should be elevating above all those stories is the real reason for the season, is the Christmas story. Let me encourage you to tell the Christmas story. I read it to you right at the beginning of the service. That's the Christmas story. It's about the coming of Jesus Christ and the declaration of what was taking place during that time. Isaiah 52, 7 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God, your God, reigns. In fact, the rest of Romans say that, that very thing, but it also includes a blessing to not just the, 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 the teller, but the one who sends the teller. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the scriptures say when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So there's a blessing by going, and there's a blessing by giving to those go. And so never be afraid to support ministries or missions uh, 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 of this church or anything that, te that tells people about Jesus. I've been to India a few years ago, but we're still in India because we're still supporting missions in India. Come on, somebody. And the spreading of the gospel to places all over the world. Some give by going and some go by giving. But as I close this morning, listen to me. I want you to note with me for a moment who those heavenly messengers were sent to. They were not sent to the aristocrats of the day. 
They were not sent to the palace royalty, or the declaration was not sent out to them. Who were they sent out to? It, they were sent out to lowly shepherds. These, these people lived with their sheep. When they walked in the room, you knew it. Because not only did they look like shepherds, they smelled like them. That's who the declaration went out to. If you were going to make a royal announcement of a birth of a king, would you go to shepherds? That's who God sent it to. Now, what does this tell us about the heart of God? It says that God is making a statement. The same one that was reflected in the ministry of Jesus. When, he, when, when the, the children, when the parents were bringing the children up to him, the, the disciples were like, don't bring those kids up here. And Jesus rebuked his disciples. He said, suffer not the little children from coming. Do not prevent the little children from coming to me. When he called his first disciples, he didn't go to the theological schools of his day. He went to the Sea of Galilee and he called to himself fishermen. And, and, and if shepherds smell like sheep, then fishermen smell like, come on, somebody. And so my point is simply this. Stop thinking God would never want to use someone like you. Come on, somebody. It's exactly someone like you and someone like me that he wants to use and, to, and he wants to be a part of his family. Over the years, I've met a few people who, who kind of look down on their noses on believers. How can you believe all that? Angels and messengers and miracles and mangers. How, how could you believe all that? But listen, I don't let it bother me because my Bible says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And, and the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, listen, if you can look at obvious creation and determine there is no creator, and someone called me just the last few weeks, pray for my, pray for my husband. He, he, he's an atheist. He, 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 he doesn't believe in anything. The scripture says the fool says in, the, in their heart that no, there is no God. When you look at obvious creation and say there is no creator, that's foolish. I've said this before, but it's like looking, taking a look at this building and saying somehow it built itself. A building doesn't build itself. A painting doesn't paint itself. And a creation doesn't create itself. I don't know who built this building. I wasn't here 50 years ago, but I know someone built it. Come on, somebody. I can look at a painting. I went to France a few years ago, and they have the, what they call the Louvre, where they have all these old paintings. I don't know any of the painters, but I know somebody painted it. And when you can look at the, 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 the beauty of this world, and you can look at the obvious the intricacies that are taking place in the world around us, I, don't, I, may, I may not have been there when it was created, but I know someone created it. Come on, somebody. I know someone created it. And so if you conclude that there is no creator, the Bible says you're being foolish. My Bible says that God sent the foolish things of this world to confound the wise because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And there's going to be many who will be surprised to find out only too late that God will have the last say. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. As for me, 
I believe and I receive the best Christmas gift ever, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. His name is Jesus. And the scripture says, the angelic host says, he will be a gift to everyone. He could have said in that moment, he was born in Bethlehem, he could have said he's a gift for the Jewish people only. He didn't say that. He says he's a gift for everyone. And that, and that is reflected in that famous verse that everyone knows, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I always like to say, always put your name in there. For God so loved, say your name. Pastor Rick. <laughs> I'm glad that he loves you, but I'm stoked that he loves me. Because in the 50-something years I've been alive, that truly is the best gift that I've ever had. And it'll be your gift as well. And so as we come to a close this morning, have you accepted that gift? Have you gotten to that point where you admit that you are in need of a Savior and that that's exactly what Jesus came to do to save us or to give us peace with God first and then the peace of God after. You get the peace with God when you admit that you are a sinner and you need a Savior and you ask God's forgiveness for your sins and you acknowledge that Jesus paid for your sins and that he is Christ the Messiah and that you stop striving on your own for salvation but you accept that Jesus is the one that paid it all for you. If you've not yet done that, it'll be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I admit that I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus is God's son. Came to earth as the perfect lamb of God. You said without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Shed his blood for me. And from this day forward, I confess my faith and put my trust completely in him for the salvation of my soul. Forgive me, Lord, if I've been distracted and caught up in things that in the end that does not matter. Help me to believe and receive all that you have for me, acknowledging the good news, pondering what you've done, putting my faith in you, and to be used by you as a vessel of telling, even as you used the shepherds to tell everyone that day. 
I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.